I'm Aria Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan. And welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. What a wild last week we have had with so many moves and so much to discuss. Let's dive right in. We are back with the Windsider Show. I'm Aria Schwartz, and I'm very excited to discuss all things WNBA free agency with my co-host, Rachel Galligan. Rachel, what a week. Well, I think we're into like a week. It's the 8th, right? So we're a week into free agency. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling? Are you ex- Personally, I mean, I'm just going to say this flat out. I'm more excited because I think we see more competitive rosters than we did last year a lot more fun, at least intriguing rosters than we did last year, my personal opinion. Uh, where's your head at? How are you feeling? I agree. Um, I think we're starting to see more of a complete picture of what these teams are going to look like. We're starting to, you know, kind of get a, a clear picture of who won in free agency, who didn't win in free agency, who completely whiffed and struck out um, the direction that teams are going. So, I mean, it happened happened so fast. It's such a whirlwind uh, this past week. But I mean, I agree. I think the biggest talking point is I think you're seeing franchises that, you know, were pretty desolate last year. And now you're looking at, I want to, I'm going to fall short of calling it multiple super teams. Cause I'm not, I'm personally not a huge fan of the super team. Can we, wait, can we just, like, <laughs> I find it so funny. One, how offended players get when their team is called a super team. That's a compliment that's saying you have a lot of good players. And that means most likely you are one of those good players. So take it as a compliment. <laughs> secondly, secondly, I'm sorry, Asia Wilson, big fan of your super team. I mean, it is a super team, whatever. If you're against the term pro, the term, whatever. Dynasty. But like you add in no, I'll wait for dynasty. You know, let's see them make. I think they're definitely on the cusp of that. But two championships ain't a dynasty to me. That's all. Um, but. I think she had a tweet, something like, I don't see enough people talking about Seattle as a super team. It's like, okay, chill out. They got three really good players. That's not a super team. It's a three-headed monster. There's terms for everything, okay? Once you hit the four, like, four-headed monster and above, then we can talk super team. Um, but you brought up Vegas to some degree. Um, you hinted at it. Biggest news, uh, as you broke, today as we record, yesterday when the episode publishes, um, Candace Parker returning on a one-year deal to Las Vegas Aces. Um, what's your initial reaction to that move? Were you surprised to break that news? I mean, it's funny, like take off your, you broke the news cap and tell me like from a play talking about basketball, how do you feel? I think it was never a question in my mind, was she going to return to Vegas if she could play. The question mm-hmm. in my mind was, was she going to, was she going to play from a health standpoint? Were we going to see Candace Parker back on the court this season? And I don't know that that's fully answered yet, even with the signing. Um, you know, I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope that, you know, she's on the right trajectory. Uh, the one year deal, I think screams a lot, you know, to the potential of how much longer does she really have, you know, out on the court. Um, but I, I mean, personally, I'm excited because to me, the signing means, her, her, her progress is going the right direction. Um, I think 
you know, you have some consistency there in Las Vegas, which they needed to secure in a player like Candace Parker. I mean, even if there are health concerns and, and question marks as to, you know, how much is she going to be able to give you this year? I just think it's a good sign across the board that they're they're maintaining that consistency. And I hope that it really means we will see her out on the court a lot more than we were able to last year. I think for her for her own sake as a competitor, I think that this year could be crucial. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, knowing the competitive nature of one CP3, the legend, the greatness, um, I think it was pretty obvious, at least in my mind and from what you're saying, your mind, that she'd be coming back if she could play. Um, and also, like, realistically, you know, you go out with an injury, your team wins the championship. Now they're looking to do a three-peat. Why would she jump ship to go to a different team that's trying to prove something when it kind of almost feels like, and I probably will get flack for this, but, like, it almost feels like an unfinished story because, yes, yeah, she gets that championship ring. She has three rings now. But, like... You know, you want to be able to, you want to be able to play the game that you love. Well, exactly, and like you want to win it by playing it. You don't want to win it by sitting on the bench with a cast on your foot or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think yeah. Okay, let's move on to Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's a very interesting team because earlier on they add Jordan Canada, and we're looking at this team like okay, you know, this is slowly they're putting the pieces together. Uh, Alicia Gray, Jordan Canada, Ryan Howard, uh, Cheyenne Parker, like that is a nice nucleus of a good, like a really good young team. Um, and I like how those players complement each other. Canada can produce, as we saw over the past few years, going from almost being out of the league, honestly, to securing a, a coring and a max deal if she wanted. Um, right. And then they make these moves. And, and I love that because I think she really compliments Alicia Gray and Ryan Howard. But then they make these moves of adding Ariel Powers and Tina, 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 Tina Charles, um, which shout out, maybe the biggest shocker of free agency was Tina coming back to the league. <laughs> I mean, for, like, all right, I'll just give you my take, Rachel, because we haven't even talked about this really. But like, for me, if Ariel Powers is willing to be a role player and understand that, like, because here's the thing, the, the journey of Ariel Powers was she was in Dallas, wasn't hitting potential, went to D.C., won a championship, was shooting like crazy, but went to Minnesota. And I think, at least from my perspective, learned that in a specific limited role, she is a deadly asset for a team in a good way. When you try and expand her role too much, that's where it fails. Um, and so that's at least my take on it. And then you add Tina, and Tina's just, I don't want to say a ball hog, but like she likes to shoot the ball a lot. Those two signings, while they add elements that I think this team needs, I worry about the negative aspects. Tina has not been the best situation in the last, what, three stops of her career. You could argue more, right? Like, DC was not great. Phoenix was a disaster. Seattle was not great. So for me, it's just like, I feel like maybe some clouded judgment by the positivities and forgetting the negativities uh, that might come with these signings. What are your thoughts? 
I actually really like the Tina Charles signing. We we watched this team all last year struggle with with depth on the interior and mm-hmm. size. I mean, we just did. And now you've got a player, a veteran player, you know, who just didn't play for a year and an opportunity now back with a team that has really good pieces around her. And I, I think if anything, it frees up Ryan Howard. Um, I think now you've got multiple, even beyond, you know, you've got multiple scores on this team that, you know, if someone's having a rough night, you can be able to run the ball through different action. I, I actually really, really like this move. I like the fit for Tina. I think that there, she fills a much needed need for this Atlanta dream team. Now it's going to be interesting. Like you're like, you're saying to watch it kind of all come to fruition on the court, but I'm not as concerned about, you know, I mean, I guess the biggest question, you know, I have is, you know, where is she at right now in her career? Um, you know, I mean, a year doesn't make that huge of a difference, but you know, how many years does she have left playing this game? And, um, I don't know. I I think that's going to be interesting to see how I do think they got better. Atlanta got better. I think Ariel powers. That was one. Uh, I was on the locked on pod with Jackie Powell recently. Shout out to the next, um, for having me on. I appreciate that. But we were talking about the aerial powers move within itself. And that, that to me, I agree with you all comes down to her ability to accept a role. And what is that role? Um, and I think it's exact. you hit the nail on the head. It's exactly what it needs to be. I think she's going to have games where she goes off for 25. That's what aerial powers does, but do they need her to do that night in and out? No, not absolutely not. So I think if anything, if, if there can be, you know, open discussions about what that type of role in, in what that situation looks like this season and minutes played those types of things, I think, I think it can work. And Atlanta got, they got deeper. They added a tremendous amount of scoring in my opinion. Um, and then I think Jordan Canada is a perfect fit, you know, for this team and just a true point guard facilitator. You know, I, I, the, the more I sit here and talk about it, the more I'm like, man, I, I actually really do like these moves that Atlanta made. It's, it's, it was surprising. I mean, I mean should we have really been that surprised? Like, did we really think that Tina Charles was just going to like, we were, we weren't going we to talk about her again. I mean, like, it's funny to me that I mean, I didn't see a ton of talk about like that. That could be a potential signing. And so I think people were blindsided by it. I know I personally was blindsided by well, it. Well, Rachel, when like this isn't a secret or it's the worst kept secret in the WNBA. Didn't have a great ending in New York. Didn't like Connecticut, New York, D.C., Phoenix, Seattle. That's five teams. That's almost half the league. So I think whether or not we saw it coming or not, it was more so like there was only like six options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I love it. I, I'm excited about it. I think Atlanta got significantly better with the moves that they made. Um, this is, this is looking, starting to look much more of like a complete team to me. Um, and, and you know, I mean the, the trajectory of this franchise as a whole is trending in the right direction. It'll be, I just keep saying, it'll be interesting to see how these different, you know, styles of play and personalities come together on the court, but I don't see it. I don't see like red flags or, Ooh, that, I don't know about that being a fit or think anything like that. I, I just, I'm more so curious, uh, mm-hmm. but I do think they got better. This is, this is going to yeah. be an exciting team to watch. Yeah. I think there's a few teams that whether I, I saw some people talking about Atlanta being a contender right now. I I'm like slow. Yeah, I'm going to fall short of that, but yeah, slow the roll. So they got better. I, and I'll even group Minnesota into, and we'll talk about Minnesota in a moment, but like Minnesota, similarly, I think they got better. Did they, did they jump multiple tiers into contention? No, but they got better. Let's talk about Seattle though. Seattle probably 
arguably the biggest name of free agency. Um, after kind of punting last season, they bring in Skylar Diggins Smith, they bring in NECA. Um, now we're talking about a three headed monster and are, maybe, maybe, maybe a four headed monster. If you think Ezzy is there yet, I think we still need a little bit more time for Ezzy. Um, and then you have that depth of shooting with Sammy. For me, this is a very top heavy team, right? Jewel, Skyler, NECA, let's include Mercedes and Ezzy. And then it kind of drops off. So for me, I'm curious to see. I, I know I'm not as high on, on Horston as some other people, um, but I'm curious to see kind of, do they make one or two other moves to add in depth? Because look, this team doesn't have the continuity, right? Like this team wasn't all together. These, this is what happens when you bring in new big name free agents. So for me and, you know, NECA, I think NECA's contract was one year, Skylar's two year. I get it, CBA, fine. But like for me, it it just says this team's going all in. If you're going all in, you need depth, right? You can't rely. It's so rare for teams to win it all uh, without depth. So for me, it's just like, okay, who are you going to add that's going to be that role player, that shooting um, and and that versatility for this team? What do you yeah. think about Seattle? I think there's no doubt, stating the complete obvious, this team got better. I love the three-headed monster. I love the hype that's going to be around Seattle. I love what they were able to do in terms of you know, getting the money they needed. When you look at it, you look at the move they made with LA and to get that, that Kia Nurse contract off the mm-hmm. books. It's clearly, clearly setting up and clearing the cap space to make the moves for Skylar Diggins-Smith and, and NECA. And so, you know, I... We knew something big was coming when, 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 when that decision was made to, to, to get nurse off the books. But again, I, I mean, they're better. They're going to be a team that's going to be fun to watch. You've got star power, all the things that I think we've become so accustomed to seeing Seattle being, especially in re- obviously the last decade outside of last year. Um, you know, I, so from that standpoint, it's exciting, but I, again, the same thing, I, I question kind of the depth at times we know Gabby Williams you know, I think you have some international question marks in your mind there about the Olympic year in terms of who's going to be there consistently, who's not, who's coming after the, like, I don't know exactly how that's well, like, go. and like Gabby, like made that comment a while ago, she's not expected to come back. And like, they probably can't do the finagling they did last year to bring her back. So, and that's a huge blow because that yeah. would be a huge depth piece. Yes, totally. Totally. So if we're talking about Gabby Williams playing this season, that that because she's such a, a Swiss Army knife in terms of her versatility, then I I'm I'm even more excited about this team. But that that is likely not the case. Um, so yeah, I mean, do they have the cap space and you know opportunity to make a few more moves? Yes, but like you know, you kind of look around right now. Who who all is still remaining in terms of free agents? Um, and th- those dominoes are falling as we're speaking, and might even I'm sure <laughs> a lot of that will come out even today before this podcast comes out. But I, I do think they can add you know, a piece to just try and help that depth. But that's going to be the question mark. And, and I don't think it's as bad as like Las Vegas depth at times. No, You know, like, like there's, I, I'm pretty high on Horston. I think that the experience that she got from last year is going to translate really well to this year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Dulcie, you know? I, so I, 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 I do think that you're going to see some of these young players continue to take a step in their careers. So I don't think the depth is like a glaring major concern. 
at least, you know, in terms of what we've been talking about with Vegas for years, but I don't know. Nonetheless, I'm excited about Seattle. I I played out exactly how I think the fans would have hoped. Um, Having NECA and Skylar team up together in in Seattle is is exciting. And it feels like a new era building around Jewel Lloyd as well. So um, I feel good about Seattle. They had a really good free agency. Well, the other team that arguably has had a really good free agency, I would say the two teams, you know, fighting for number one, uh, free agency winners or the free agency spot has to be Seattle and then Phoenix, uh, Phoenix bringing in Natasha cloud, one of the top point guards, one of the top free agents in the league, bringing in Rebecca Allen in a trade, which is an interesting aspect that I would love to talk to you about. Um, shipping out Bree Turner, shipping out Michaela on bringing in Kalia copper. And like this team Yes, I know they haven't signed Brittany Griner, and some people want to speculate, blah, blah, blah. If Beachy's coming back, I fully anticipate, expect, and predict that it will be with the Phoenix Mercury. Um, this team just, I mean, look, person, we can talk about personalities and all that jazz, fine, whatever, but like they are going all in. They yeah. are, you know, pedal to the metal for Diana Trossi's maybe last season. Um, they they're pushing it. I can't hate it. They added shooting, you know, I, and I was sitting there before the cot trade goes down and I go, okay, cool. So you basically expect Natasha cloud and Brittany Griner to just like play defense for the whole team. Right. Cause oh. what's Sophie and Diana Taurasi doing. Right. Um, and like, right. <laughs> but, but then they make that move and now it's just like, okay, defense is no longer a turnstile. You have defensive players, you have athleticism, you have shooting, you have versatility. Um, this is, I'm not going to say that this is like a guaranteed contender because I still think there's question marks, but this team, I mean, this is a super team. It has, right? I mean, they're throwing, first off, it starts with the changes that took place in the offseason of the ownership and the front office and the staff. And I mean, this whole place has been a complete overhaul and it's happened and it feels like a blink of an eye. And so, you know, I mean, good Lord, it was so dire. It felt like the last, what, two years. I mean, it was, it's been a rough go in Phoenix. And so to kind of see it flip a switch and you have this new life in this franchise, still, still tailored around Diana Taurasi. And so like, there's no time for a rebuild. There's no time right now to, you know, necessarily worry about immediate assets and and draft picks, stuff like that. I I think that they've made really aggressive moves. I think they, they had their targets and they were able to secure those targets. I think you have players now who aren't just looking at New York and Vegas as destinations and free agency. You're, you're looking at Phoenix in that conversation now because of the ownership, because of the investment, because of everything they're doing there behind the scenes. Um, and so that's become a top, a top target there in the Valley. Uh, and so it's going to be cool as we go on with time and especially how the rest of this roster shapes out. I, I want to see, you know, is people can, I genuinely believed that Elena Deladon, there was a very good chance that she was headed to Phoenix and um, completely, you know, deals fall through. People aren't able to come to agreements on things. I mean, thing, things, things play out in ways that even us who kind of know some of the inner workings of things that are going on can be surprising. And so, you know, I, when I heard about Kalia Copper 
I'm like, oh my God. And we talked about it. We were texting. We're like, this makes sense. This makes sense. I just didn't think about copper in my mind as even being a tradable you know, asset in this conversation because of Chicago's investment in her and decision to, you know, Hey, we're going to give you the keys to the Corvette and we're going to build around you. And you're, you're, you're our, you're our, you're our, you're our, you're our person. And so then it was like, Holy hell, like in a blink of an eye, I don't know how it went down. There's a lot behind the scenes and I'm sure a lot that can be speculated what went down in Chicago and what, you know, how did that play out where it was such a 180 switch, but I will give Chicago credit signing her to that extension. And I mean, they got the farm, I mean, kind of the farm, they, they got a lot in return for copper. And I love the fit of copper in Phoenix with this roster. Um, it's, you don't have question marks of health concerns and how much of the season, you know, like she's in her prime, she's in her absolute prime and she's going to be someone who can be relied upon night in and night out. And like, I, I, it's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal move. Um, I hate, I mean, I, I don't hate it for Chicago. It's just shocking to me the way it's shocking, but it's not shocking the way everything in Chicago played out clearly, not that I'm trying to pivot too much, but clearly Chicago struck out in free agency, clearly the issues of Chicago, that's a podcast for another day, you know, their, their investment, their front office, their ownership, all the things there are major question marks. And I'm just not convinced that they're even remotely close to being in a position to attract top free agents. And so, you know, copper probably looking around going like, damn, like I, we're not getting the people here that I thought maybe we potentially could have got this sucks. Um, whether that was a demand, whether that was, you know, Chicago's, I don't know how, again, I don't know how that played out, but yeah, Chicago, that's a whole, we'll do a, we'll do a whole episode on that. I have a, (laughs) I have a special guest in mind for that one. Um, and we could talk about cause the, the astute letting her walk for nothing is just mind boggling, but whatever. Um, I thought of two things while you were talking about that one, like keep in mind people, Phoenix added two WNBA champions and one, finals MVP. If I'm going to throw out a hypothetical that Phoenix's plan going into this was to add uh, Natasha Cloud and Elena Deladon, when Mike T, one of the stingiest GMs in the league, starts to maybe ask for too much or maybe wants, you know, one doesn't want both players, but wants one player that Phoenix is willing to give and it doesn't see eye to eye, Phoenix starts making calls around. Oh, and timing just worked out that Kalia Copper is no longer super happy after seeing Chicago swing and miss on all the big free agents and says, I see the writing on the wall. It's time for me to get out. The two things that, that came to mind is one, I might get flat. I, I say things, I get flack for it, but I'm not going to lie. There's an element of me that look, I'm not going to sit here and say the players owe the team, anything or the team owes the player, anything right? Like this is business. But at the end of the day, it definitely raises some eyebrows when you sign an extension, when coaching moves are made to your preferences, when off-season moves are made to be built around you, and then when you swing and miss one season, one time, that player who was design, who was the, you know, the center of the design, the load-bearing, you know, pole or whatever it is in the house. Yeah. And to dip out at that, uh, you know, look, teams do this all the time to their franchise players on their own behest. 
So am I going to hate on a player for reading the writing on the wall and saying, I don't want to spend another year here if it's not working when I don't have my own locker room where I don't have a training facility where, you know, I completely get it. There's something to be said for both sides. There's multiple true stories going on here. And the other thing that came to mind um, that I'm not even going to let you respond to, Rachel, because I know it'll just start the long... And you, and you might know where I'm going with this. Uh, the trade that they got back for Kalia Copper, who's a finals MVP, not a MVP, not the best player in the world, some might say is a sign that Seattle should have signed Stewie or Cord Stewie a few years back and not letting her walk for free to New York and demanded a trade. If that trade would have happened and whatnot, mm-hmm. I would put, and I know that's where you stand. Mm-hmm. I would push back and say, none of the player, like look what Kalia copper was able to bring back in a trade. I don't see how, how a Stewie trade is going to bring you back assets better than jewel Lloyd. That's a whole nother debate. One day, Rachel, we're going to have to do like uh, alternate history text and just, we're just going back and forth for like, <laughs> 45 minutes about it and no one turned, was better. yeah turned funny. a group chat into a I uh, will say <laughs> the good news is we know I put out I said I was quoting Annie Constable shout out to the phenomenal work that she does um about what you know the directionless team and it I get what she's saying but I do think from a standpoint of this franchise right now yeah it's a complete I mean it's a complete rebuild but it feels a little bit more than that it's not just like oh we're going to embrace a complete rebuild and get all, they still don't have a ton of assets guys. Okay. They've got number three this year. They've got to give up their, their 25 pick to Dallas next year because of the pick swap. It's not like they're going to be able to just be dominant in the drafts these next couple of years. I mean, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. so it is a rebuild, how they're going to continue to try and rebuild. They're going to have to do it through the draft and they're going to have to find a way to get the investment and the ownership behind this franchise that should have been there the year after the, the, the no, moment Rachel, before. Rachel, I completely agree with you, but Thank that's you. for the special podcast okay, with okay. with our special <laughs> guest who's got insider trading on in Chicago. Let's talk about Chicago. Okay, so what does Chicago have now? <laughs> Michaela Nguere, Bree Turner, who ends in a ton of draft picks they got uh, from Phoenix in that, but they let us do walk for free. And we've kind of already touched on this. Yes. You know, in our last free agency episode, we talked about. There's going to be two teams that are just going to completely whiff in free agency. It has become abundantly clear. No one can deny it. Rachel's hometown is that <laughs> is that is that team. It's Chicago. Chicago is one of those teams, um, and it's not comparable. I mean, look, I think LA is arguably that other team, but at least LA is getting assets and is making the youth push. Now, I will say that I have my own pet peeves when it comes to LA signing a few too many of these vets, right? Like, sorry, if you're, if you're full in on the rebuild, if you're full in on the youth movement, stop signing mobilings, stop signing these vets. And there is like every year we hear the same narrative of there's so many great players who can't make it in the W and the pushback I always give is, I disagree. I don't think those great players could make it in the W unless they had multiple years to grow. Well, we have a team in LA who has the ability to give some players time to grow and then have the rights to those players. So if I'm going to be picky with LA, which I like, look, these are bottom teams and they're trying to, you know, set themselves on the right path towards success. For me, like that's my critique for what LA is doing. And and you've already touched on, on, on Chicago. Um, Connecticut or Minnesota first, Rachel? I don't even get to talk about LA. 
You can talk about LA. I would just say the difference between LA and Chicago right now is LA feels like kind of organized demolition and rebuild. Chicago, I feel like there was a complete blindsidedness. Now you could make the argument about NECA that maybe, maybe they felt blindsided about her not returning to LA, but it feels like, you know, there's a little bit more of an embracement of, because you still have to fill the roster. You still Mm -hmm. need bodies. Mm -hmm. You still need players. I like the signing of Mo Billings. Mo Billings is not going to be, you know, the person that, that, that wins you a championship, but you know what? She's a veteran player in the league. You've got the money to be able to, to throw at a player who has experience, who you know plays as hard as she does. And she's, I think she's a good asset for this team. Is this team going to be out of the lottery? Probably not. You know, but like it feels like at least with the assets they have, I mean, owning half the first round this year, now a lot of that is a question mark because of the COVID and who's actually coming out. I mean, we're going to be talking about that for the next few months until the cows come home. LA's, you know, has to be crossing their fingers that you know, they're able to get the types of players they feel like they can, but ultimately they don't know, but it feels like because of the assets, there's going to be a much quicker turnaround in terms of this rebuild than it does in Chicago. Three picks in the first. All right. Uh, Connecticut or Minnesota? Connecticut. Connecticut's a really interesting one because Connecticut almost feels like a team that for so long has been on the doorstep to, to quote James Wade, uh, right before they won the championship. They're at the, they're at the, uh, oh, well, now I can't even quote them. <laughs> they're at the screen door and they just need to get the front door open. Um, and this season, you know, like, look, what I will be, compl- I will be the first to say it. Maybe this is the change, the light switch flip, the whatever that they needed to get over the hump and win a championship. And maybe we don't all see it because I don't think any of us see it. I think this team, while is still a top four, top five team in the league, definitely a playoff team, um, has some superstar talents, arguably a super team by, you know, Asia's uh, definition of three good players. Um, But adding Tiffany Mitchell and Mariah Jefferson and losing Rebecca Allen um, is not the move, in my opinion, that's going to win you championships. I think they are trying to brace themselves for the fall uh, because losing Becca Allen was huge. I mean, they arguably could have made a push for the finals if Becca Allen doesn't get hurt in the semis. Uh, Tiffany Mitchell is not, you know, Tiffany Hayes. I'm sorry. Mariah Jefferson is not going to provide the shooting that this team missed last year that could have helped propel them to the finals. So, and then also like, this is this is a different nuanced thing that most people are probably going to listen to and be like, what the hell is he talking about? He's crazy. The Becca Allen trade, right? Like at the end of the day, I know, I think a lot of people are going to step in and say, oh, well, you know, good for Becca Allen for signing with the team to do a sign-in trade. But did that trade help Phoenix more than it helped Connecticut? Is the question that I want to pose. I don't have an answer for it. But at the end of the day, part of the reason it went down was because Phoenix needed to move a contract to make it work and and to make the other moves they wanted to do work. So for me, I'm sitting there and I'm starting to question Connecticut's GM also because I sit here and I wonder, I see players leaving left and right and this team, in my opinion, which doesn't really matter, right, getting worse. And then you do this trade and I think you could, you had... So often when a team needs to make a trade, you have the advantage and 
whenever a trade happens, one team is in a tougher position. And for me, Phoenix was in a tougher position. Connecticut, you know, what do I know? But I feel like Connecticut could have gotten more out of it. Sorry, that was long-winded. No, you're fine. I'm just trying to um, remember what was a part of the trade. There's just so much going on in my mind. What was it? It was like Mariah Jefferson and a pick maybe for Rebecca Allen. I mean, it's a blow for Connecticut. And I'm looking, taking a step back, and I'm looking at this team, and I, there was question marks: Was Duana Bonner going to return? I mean, that that the blow that that could have potentially been. Now it came out that she is returning, um, so that's good news. But it feels like to me that this team is doing everything they can to try and run it back, mm. and are grasping at straws to try and at least stay yeah. as good as they were last year. Um, and I don't think, I don't think you can look and say, oh, this moved the needle. They got better. Now, the good news is they got better because Bree Jones is going to be back on the court, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you're able to kind of run it back with that core that we weren't able to see last year. Were you able to, you know, put enough pieces around Mariah Jefferson, Rachel Bannum, Tiffany Mitchell to help that, that core three of Alyssa Thomas, Duana Bonner, Bree Jones, you know? So I don't know that I feel like, oh, this team got better. I think they if anything, they st- they maybe best case scenario they stayed the same, but because mm. you might have Bree Jones, a healthy Bree Jones back on the court, may- you know maybe they are just still in that that contention conversation because we know what the core of this team is capable of and we know how well they play. And you've got a player like Alyssa Thomas who's in the MVP conversation and very well could be again. Um, I just can't I can't sit here and say they got better, but I also can't say that they got worse. I just feel like they're kind of holding on for dear life right now to, to, to try and just run this back as much as they can while also getting healthy. That's, that's yeah. what I see right now. No, I like how you blow, were the blow of rate of Rebecca Allen is a blow that hurts. Sorry, I, uh, People are going to give me a hard time for this. We did not mention. They also added Rachel Bannon back um, to solve their shooting woes. I'm not even going to talk about that, but I just want to put that out there in case I do appreciate that you were able to, um, you know, basically say what I wanted to say much more eloquently um, in like a third of the time. So sorry, listeners. Thank you, Rachel. Minnesota, Minnesota, like, okay, I have been texting Mitchell. I've been texting you. I've been going up and down about this team because on the one hand, I think for the past, it's almost like five years now since the dynasty, I've been saying the same thing, which is like you're literally doing the definition of stupidity, trying the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. The same roster, it didn't work before. It's not going to work again. You got lucky. You made it to the semifinals in the wobble. It's not happening. And I like that Minnesota made different moves. They bring in Natisha Heidemann. The ability to. That was the yes. big thing. Is they finally could. Well, they finally could without having to, you know, figure out a way to offload these horrible contracts that uh, were just some of the worst contracts I've seen in WNBA history. Sorry. Um, But no, like how many games did, how much money was uh, Natalie Achanwa making and Ariel Powers and and Kayla McBride. And like you signed these players, you knew they weren't going to win you a championship and you signed them for long-term with good, whatever. (laughs) Adding Natisha Heideman, who you traded uh, on draft night after you drafted her to get Lexi Brown for like a two-year stint, adding Courtney Williams, right? That right there adds depth and health to the guard game that was lacking, right? Now, 
A lot of people I've seen say Courtney Williams learned she could be a facilitator last year. Courtney Williams can facilitate, but it relies on other people being able to make shots, right? Mm-hmm. Like Chicago had Ka and Marina. They were making shots. They're shooters. Minnesota doesn't have those shooters. So you got to hope that Courtney Williams is able to make Kayla McBride that type of shooter in the terms of facilitating for her. That fee can now be elevated because it's not going to be, you know, her carrying four other players for the whole season. Natisha Heideman is a legit three-point shooter, has experience, has deep playoff runs, and Alana Smith adds depth. I like the addition of Alana Smith a lot. I, I was hard on it. Some people have given me a hard time for it. I think now I like it better, um, especially with Milich not coming, sadly, even though, look, you know, she's one of the best bigs, foreign bigs in the league. Um, I, I think at the end of the day for Minnesota, they're not a contender yet. I, you cannot convince me they're a contender with this roster, but I will say they are better than they were years past. I'm not looking at this team and going, I don't know if you make the playoffs. I'm looking at this team and I'm saying, you're trying something different. You're trying to build around fee. I've heard rumblings that fee was very, very involved in some of these free agent moves, which I think is a good sign because you need to keep her happy. Um, at the end of the day, if you are a top half of the team, so you're a six seed or or lower, um, you know, with a head coach of Cheryl Reeves caliber and Nafisa Collier, an MVP player, you know, don't don't put all your money against them is what I would say. So I think, look, they're making positive moves similar to Atlanta. I'm not going to bump you into contender, but I think you got better. Yeah, I mean, we know that Cheryl Reeves, one of the greatest coaches in you know history of the league, you know, is going to find ways to put her players in position to be successful. And she's going to find ways to help this team be, you know, to, to, to win games and to be competitive. I do think they got better. I think the most important thing, you know, everybody was, everybody needs a point guard. And I I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced the Minnesota's done yet with their moves. Um, I think you could very easily make an argument for a player like Odyssey Sims, you know, could fit very nicely Mm -hmm. with this roster. I mean, so who to be, to be determined what happens with Sims, whether she goes back to Dallas or whether there's an opportunity in Minnesota. I, I don't know that Minnesota is completely done as these dominoes continue to fall. But I think the most impressive thing, and this is what I need people to kind of remember, everybody's going after the big names. You know, you're going after the, the heavy hitters. You're trying to attract a Skylar Diggins-Smith. You're trying to get in the conversation with Natasha Cloud. You're trying to get in the conversation, you know, with everybody who is, you know, entertaining conversations right now. You have to, but what you also have to do, and this is what I think Minnesota excelled at this year when when you and when you when people strike out and you don't get your a do you have the relationships and are you working on option b and option c and i think minnesota did a really good job of yeah we're going to go after our targets but we're going to make sure that we have a a plan b a plan c you know and we're going to make sure that we fill out this roster the way we need to where it does feel like it got deeper it got better and that is the that is the point about minnesota that i think they did a good job at this year um, you know, but like, no, they're not getting, unless all of a sudden Elena Deladon, you know, ends up in Minnesota, which I like, was going to say, Rachel, this now, <laughs> look, the biggest name, not in on a team right now. I mean, she's not, she, you know what I mean? The biggest free agent still around. Yes. She's been court has to be Elena Deladon. Now we know that news broke her ideal locations were Phoenix or Vegas. Doesn't seem like those are plausible right now. What are they going to be giving up to Mike T to give in return? And so for me, I'm looking at it and I'm going, Deladon has to make a choice, 
her own personal choice. Is it more important for her to play or for her to play where she wants to play? And if it comes down to that, I don't know what she's going to decide, but I'm looking around the field in this league and I'm thinking to myself, what is the best team she could realistically join? And feel good about herself, but also feel like, hey, maybe this isn't one of the quote unquote super teams that everyone's expecting to be a contender, but I know they're going to be a good team and I know they have a good coach and they can make a push. And to me, that all those signals are Minnesota. I'm not saying I think she's going there, but I'm saying if I'm in her camp, that's what I'm saying to her. That's the advice I would give her. And if you look at it and she doesn't need to be fully healthy, you have the combo of Dorka to, you know, grow, ease in, learn from EDD. I think if that move happened, I would be very excited as a Lynx fan. I'd be very excited as Cheryl Reeve. And I would say to myself, we are looking at an extremely competitive WNBA 12 teams of rosters. Um, Yes, there's some teams struggling, but like there's going to be some really fun, competitive, exciting games with big names all over. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say like Minnesota was solid. I don't know how I think they got I think they got more consistent and deeper and probably, you know, a little more chemistry ridden on this team. Like, you know, there may not be we saw some issues the last couple of years. Um, so you, it is kind of a new era, but also you've got, you know, the, the same building blocks that you want to continue to Nafisa Collier's everything. Now you've got Dorka and diamond, diamond Miller, who, you know, again, in their second year still have with the way this roster structured, still have the ability to make big jumps and contribute and be big contributors of this team. I don't think Minnesota's done with moves. Now, is that something just as, you know, I don't want to say small, that sounds bad, but is it just, you know, an added piece of some of these remaining free agents like an Odyssey Sims? Well, she's not super tall, so you can, you can okay, say it's well, there you go. <laughs> or, or I, I just, I just don't believe, but again, I mean, who, I, I don't know. I would be absolutely shocked if it's fun to play the scenario with, with the Deladon thing, but I just, just from, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, no, it's not realistic. But but I, like, but you I, know, it is fun to think about. And I understand the argument of why, like, if you're in this situation right now and you want to play, and Mike T needs to be able to get some assets. Like, like what's what's the situation where that potentially could be worked out? I get that that you know. There's I, no way Deladon wants to stay in DC to play for this rebuild team, right? And then you think about that, and you start going, okay, did she? It's become clear based on her preferred destinations that were publicized. Being close to her family is no longer the main deciding factor in this decision. So I think there's many elements to it. I agree. It's it's more of a pipe dream, more of a that would be really cool, but I don't think it's going to... It's more of like a video game move than a reality move. That's a good segue for Washington. Let's talk about your team. <laughs> your hometown team. Oh, I li- yeah, all right. I lived here for 12 years now. It's my hometown team. Um, look, <laughs> Washington is very, very interesting for me. And I'm just going to put this out there. Fully public knowledge. The head coach steps aside to be only the GM. His son takes over, and I know he had been there for a while, but his son takes over as the head coach. And the narrative we were told was the players love Eric. The players want to play for Eric. Well, we're a season later after an abysmal season last year, and the players are leaving Eric. So to me, you can be the best GM in the world and know who to bring and how to convince them to come and blah, blah, blah. But right now, 
you're not selling yourself in this roster. You're selling your son, who his track record is not the greatest in his one year and four games that he played when he was hurt. So for me, okay, great rebuild. They don't have a choice because they can't attract free agents. They lost their key players. So now they're building a team around Errol Atkins and Shakira Austin. And that's fine. Those are two really good players, and I'd be happy to have them to build around. But you're not going to be attracting big-name free agents right now, which is why my assumption is Big T is very focused on getting as much as he can for Elena because that's going to jumpstart the rebuild. And if you can't attract free agents, there's only two other ways to build this team back up, and that's the draft and trades. So I see him being very stingy in both and trying to push those things. Which uh, makes me wonder, you know, what fell through with Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Um, w- you know, there clearly was not an agreement that was able to be reached upon. And so now, like, you're sitting there and thinking, man, what can we get for Elena Deladon at this point? You know, your potential for return is starting to dwindle. It's starting to dwindle. And... um I don't know. I, Washington, it's just, I don't know really what to say about them right now. I really don't. I, you know, I don't know that the good news is, is they have Mike T as the GM and he's experienced and he knows what he's doing. And he's been known. We've talked about it time and time again, to pull a rabbit out of a hat and make things happen. So I don't think Washington's done. I don't think Dallas is done. Dallas has got to, this is a good segue for Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas has got to make some decisions and move on from some players um, Which has been the story for how long? <laughs> we say this every year, I guess. But like you, you know, is there's going to be more trades? Is what I'm trying to Here, say. If if I'm Dallas, I'm calling T and I'm saying Natasha Howard for Elena Deldon. I'm saying they ha- because while I think Howard adds an important element to Dallas, you add you they have depth in the big. If you add a Deladon to replace Natasha Howard, I think you you add some elements this team could need. And there's some other players, too, that uh, I think could use the experience and grow from it. Yeah, I mean, this is the part of free agency we're in right now where there's still a lot that's going to happen. And you could even talk about New York. It's Everyone's just kind of like, oh, New York is... They're running you know, it back. Run it back. And like, I think they are. But there's some moves that can be made there, too. What's going to happen? Does Dolson go back? What what happens with Steph Dolson? Um, you know, there's a reason Stewart has, you know, not like like that 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 contract hasn't been figured out yet. Like there's there's some things that are going to happen. That's what I'm trying to say. And I I don't know if New York ends up getting involved or we see. I'm looking at Washington. I'm looking at New York, and I mean I, I meant I mentioned Minnesota, but but Dallas. Like those three are going to have to. There's going to there's still moves that are going to be made. And you just look at, you know, who hasn't announced the, the, the returns yet? Like that, that speaks to the negotiations that are taking place right now. And we're, we're, we're not, we're not done yet. That's the crazy part. It's still, it's still hard to look at Washington or even a Dallas and really sit here and be like, I can't give a complete picture as to how they did in free agency or how they did in the off season, because I, I don't think we're even remotely close to being done. Yeah. I'm with it. We ain't done yet. Rachel, uh, before we log off for this episode, who's your goat? Lynn Dunn. 